This scripture really should be the entire book of the Galatians chapter 3, but it's always a little hard to start off on Father's Day with the start the phrase, you foolish Galatians. So I just wanted us to kind of hear just this one snippet of this passage, but uh, I, I think it just really kind of speaks something for today's culture. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and, and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to the promise. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. That word disciplinarian is not necessarily the best translation of that Greek word Pedagogus, which is loosely translated as teacher. The, it's really better translated into the word child leader. This, this Pedagogus would have been a slave in the Greco-Roman household, and this person would have supervised and guarded children it was his responsibility to walk them to and from school, to see that they behaved properly and stayed out of harm's way. The Pythagogus, however, was not a member of the family. And when the child grew to a certain age, his services were no longer needed. Now this is the disciplinarian that Paul is using here as the role of the law. This law would have been Torah. You can't avoid it. You can't get away from it. And, and to think uh, so often uh, growing up in the church, uh, we have this idea that uh, Jesus would not have been following this. I would argue that Jesus was 100% Jewish. And he absolutely lived Torah. It's what he grew up with. It's what he understood his child leader would have brought them up into the understanding of Torah. I think what Jesus does is he expands the ideas of Torah in a way that maybe the people just don't understand or are not practicing appropriately. It's a challenge. Now Paul says that we've got to kind of think about this differently. I mean, let's, let's just be honest for a second. Christians are probably one of the most legalistic groups of people on the planet. 
you have everybody and their dog talking about how important it is that this is legal or this is right or this is wrong. This is not what Paul is talking about. He's talking about how the law and the faith as sort of a day one and day two resources, that the law provided boundaries and offered the path of righteous living. But faith in Jesus Christ provided birth into God's community through, through in this case, baptism. In the new community of God, gone are the distinctions that kept people isolated or arrogant or separated or distant from one another, for you are one in Christ Jesus, says Paul. And this is, this is deep thinking. Hard for us. Because we want to draw lines in the sand. The world does it very well. It gives us the answers for it on our own. I can't go without talking about Scout Camp because it was kind of a weird experience for me. The last time that I went to Camp Tom Hale was in 1997. We'll just say that was a while ago. And as I put in my newsletter article, it wasn't church camp that it happened, but it was at scout camp that I felt the presence of God for the very first time. And it was during a chapel service. You see, the thing that's fascinating about scouts is, is that chapel is designed in such a way that everyone and every person that is there, they come to it voluntarily. So when I walked in the door, they're like, oh, hey, Josh, it's good to see you, Reverend. We need somebody to do chapel. Oh, okay. It's only 30 minutes. We have two chapels. And, and, I, and I remember thinking, oh, yeah, this is, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps. You know, I was like, all right, this is going to be great. And then shortly after that, they asked me to teach for, first aid for uh, 120 children. But, you know, that's a whole other story for another sermon. Now, here's the beautiful part about chapel. The, the camp director says, well, there'll probably be, you know, about 15 to 20 kids. There's 765 people at this camp, by the way. There'll be about 15 to 20 people. And when you design chapel, for those of you that don't know, chapel at a scout camp experience has to be non-denominational. Because in that place, you'll have Catholics and Protestants, Hindus and Buddhists and Every walk of life, all in the same place, with the same ideas, and the ideas of scouting. But their religions are different. And it was always a weird thing when you'd say, okay, uh, let's, uh, let's pray, right? So in our faith tradition, you, you will hear most of us say, would you please bow your heads with us and pray? Well, for an example... Uh, the Indian Nations Council that is fully supported and uh, in communication with and in partnership with the Cherokee and Choctaw nations don't pray with their head, heads bowed. See the subtle distinctions one must make when creating a chapel service for all. Here's the part that was amazing. 
So I showed up for my first chapel, and I know that there's these legalistic rules of what we can and what we cannot say. And remember, there's supposed to be 15 to 20 people. And 200 children come and fill up the chapel area. Uh, it's a little intimidating. Because then the goal is, is that the first day you, lose, you do chapel as the chaplain is as you teach the kids how to do chapel on their own so that by Friday, they're leading the chapel, not the chaplain. You see how this works? And I have 15 minutes to do it in. And there's all these rules and regulations. The thing that I found... was I think that's what heaven looks like. I think in that one 15-minute moment, I for once saw what heaven looks like. You see people from every walk in life, every tradition, understanding, and they're all sitting there together, and they put their differences aside to find the similarities, you see? The differences aren't what defines them. It's the similarities that unites them. So even if you have some kid from Nacogdoches, Texas, that's leading the prayer and says, let us bow our heads in prayer, the Native Americans were going, okay, let's go. Even in the midst of that, when you have Jews and Hindus in the same room talking about the great spirit that the Native Americans would use in their prayer, all of a sudden the conversation became beautiful rather than divisive. I think this is what Paul is trying to guide us into an understanding. Otherwise it makes no sense when he starts to say there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, slave or free, man or woman. And just because I'm preaching and I have my soapbox, I have to say this. One of the things that was beautiful about this week was is the ultimate fear of what I was going to see. You see, when I was in scouting, that's always how we start a story that you know is going to go bad, right? Back in my day, it's usually a critique. Well, back in my day, one of the struggles that we had with scouts is that we already had girls in scouts. And they came to scout camp and there was never, ever any problems whatsoever. The only ones that had problems with it were the outside world with their own definitions and understandings of scouts. Those of us that were there never had a problem. And please understand, I'm making the distinction between the Boy Scouts of America and not the Girl Scouts. Different organizations. So we had girls that were wanting to be a part of Boy Scouts. So my dad, being the oldest of six kids, having three older boys, and my sisters watching this, watching all of the things that my brothers and I did, were not allowed to participate in any of the scout camp things. An all-inclusive organization that was not all-inclusive. Now let's fast forward to 2022. You all have watched the news. You've all read the news. You've all heard the horrific things. And those that are on trial and being litigated for their horrible offenses, 
That, that's, that's in every organization. But in the midst of all of that, what you, what you started to see was, oh my gosh, they've let girls in. So here I come, full of trepidation and fear as to what I was going to see, and here's what I saw. Full troops of girls teaching young, full troops of younger men and younger boys the skills that they needed for that merit badge. Full troops of younger, of older boys teaching full troops of younger girls all the things that they needed to pass that merit badge or that skill that they were learning. And they didn't know that it was, there was anything wrong with that. They didn't see the difference of that. You saw kids of every single color, every single walk of life. And the, there was no legalistic lines that were drawn in the sand like the adults did. I remember showing up on Monday. You hear the adult scoutmasters going, oh, I don't know how this is going to work. You know, we got girls. Blah, 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 blah. And then you hear the women scoutmasters going, I don't know how it's going to work because those teenage boys, you know, they're gross and disgusting and blah, 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 blah. And, and you know, you hear all of these things. And remember, as a chaplain, <laughs> I have to be open to every voice that comes through my door, right? So I have to smile and go, I'm so sorry you feel that way. I'm so sorry that it feels this way. Uh, you know, there's other things that we could look at, but at some point or another, by Wednesday, they were like, this is awesome. Why did we wait so long? Look at all of the things that we're accomplishing together. I think that's what Paul's asking the church today. I don't think it's the first time that Paul has asked the church to think this way. C.S. Lewis speaks eloquently to the universality of a law or standards of behavior that humanity requires in order to exist in an ordered world. He reminds us that without laws, we would live in a world where Nazism would not be an outrage, where murder and rape would carry no sense of wrongness, but thankfully, behind all of the acts that we call horrible and intolerable is, as C.S. Lewis points out, is a sense of justice, a standard of measurement by which we do judge actions. All the apostle would agree with that very point. A healthy sense of justice is good. It does form boundaries that keep us safe and the other person safe from us. But the problem is, according to Paul's teaching, is, is that we're not very good at staying inside the boundaries and the rules of justice. Our newspapers are full of stories that remind us of our inability to keep even basic common sense laws, let alone the more subtle sense of rightness and wrongness. In our inability to keep the law is the very reason we need more than law to help us behave humanely towards each other. I once heard a story that I think has helped me. It helped me to visualize this concept of Paul and about our inability to keep the law so impeccably. 
that we could reach perfection in God's sight through our law-keeping. It goes something like this. A man and his extremely large dog were sitting near a schoolyard. Now, the dog is wearing a muzzle over its beak, right? Now, the dog seems tame. So tame that children actually come and pet its head and go, Nice, doggy. You're so cute, as they say as they're whopping it on its head. But the dog is really nice. So as long as the owner kept the muzzle on. Inside, that dog is really lusting for that kid's leg that whopped him upside the head. But for all, for all appearances, it's a nice dog. That really big dog is also us at times. We're actually so tamed in all. But inside, we're breaking every law in the book. Paul says that in Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith. As many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. What that old, leg-lusting, big, humongous dog needs is not a new and improved muscle, but a new and docile nature. When we receive Christ by faith, theologically, we invite the Spirit into our lives so that a new Christ-shaped life is formed, a life and character. Now, this is the part I want you to catch. A life and character that has the capacity to love and serve. The law was never designed to create the perfect human. Now, it might be illustrated in, in morning ritual, in a morning ritual. For example, like I get out of bed, I rub my hand across my face, I mean, and I, I see lots of stubble. So I go into the bathroom and I look into the mirror. Oh, I've been definitely at scout camp. I definitely need to trim my beard. Now, I automatically know that because I could probably see it in the mirror, because the mirror shows me categorically where exactly I need to trim up my beard. Now, it would be silly, wouldn't it? If, that, if I took that mirror down off the cabinet and tried to use it to shave my face, that mirror drives me to the razor. So does the law drive us to Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.